0: Well, we are getting set for a Final Four, and for the first time since 2017, it will not involve a Big 12 team. How about that? I'm Pete Mundo, HeartlandCollegeSports.com, covering the Big 12, of course, each and every week here on the site, on the show. Catch us on our YouTube page as well. Let's welcome on and say hi to our lead basketball writer, Matthew Postens. He's joining us. Well, Matthew, uh, you're done on the basketball front a week earlier than I anticipated. I didn't think that we'd be sitting here, seven teams in the big dance, several top seeds, without a Final Four team for the first time in six years. But here we are. How surprised are you by this?
1: Um, I'm mildly surprised. Yeah, I think when you get two teams from your conference into the Elite Eight, or, yeah, into the Elite Eight, I I think you – Your hope is that one of those teams will advance. I thought that both Kansas State and Texas had good matchups, but I think it underscores the unpredictability of this tournament now, especially in the past five years when you see three first-time participants in the Final Four now. Um, You see how the transfer portal has honestly kind of democratized talent to the next level. It used to be you know, schools like George Mason and Butler and, and schools like that that made Final Four runs you know, took advantage of the fact that not every kid can go to, you know, Kansas and Michigan State and schools like that and were able to find little gems that, you know, people kind of overlooked. Now the the portal has taken that to the next level and completely democratized, you know, the way talent gets distributed in this game. So you can you know you, you can see a school like Florida Atlantic that played Kansas State and you think to yourself, well, okay, this is a team that Kansas State should probably beat. Florida Atlantic was a great team and they were constructed very much like Kansas State with the exception of the big man inside. God God Godwin. And, you know, it's it just shows how crazy this tournament has become and how, how unpredictable and how difficult it is to prognosticate exactly who's gonna win.
0: You know, I agree with you there, and I think that that's the big takeaway. No number one seed in the Elite Eight, and that to me is about parity in the sport, especially parity in this tournament. I mean, Matthew, look at FAU. FAU almost lost to Memphis, frankly, was on the verge of losing to Memphis in that first-round game, and now they're going to a Final Four, and it helps that, of course, they didn't have to play one seed Purdue But, man, this tournament, it is why it is the most unpredictable sporting event uh, that any of us cover the entire year. And FAU, to me, is the quintessential example of that. Should have lost to Memphis, nearly lost to Memphis, uh, came back late in the final seconds to win that game, got a draw against a 16 seed in the second round, and they play their best game of the tournament against a K-State team who they were the underdogs against, and now here they are in a Final Four.
1: Yeah, it used to be teams like this would would enjoy their first weekend like a St. Peter's last year, and get eliminated. But you saw St. Peter's get all the way to the Elite Eight last year. You know, even though they, they clearly, from a talent standpoint, there were there were gaps between them and the teams that they played, and they got all the way to the Elite Eight. Now you see SAU going to the Final Four, and they have no you know discernible you know experience at this level. Uh, it just goes to show you what a team can do when they're talented. They know they're talented. They've got the right coach in Dusty May, and, and they can get on a run. Um, it's no longer, you know, you have your fun the first weekend with all the upsets and then things settle down the second weekend. It's now going to be, honestly, year to year, probably just complete chaos until we get to the Final Four.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm accepting of that chaos. I think it's, it's, it's uh, good for the sport in general, and it does make me wonder, you know, even those of us that are critical at times of NIL and the transfer portal, maybe we need to realize, hey, this is good for a lot of reasons, including competitive balance. I don't know if it applies to football as much, but it certainly applies to basketball.
1: Yeah, I don't know that it will apply to football nearly as much. Um, You know, with basketball, there's only 13 scholarships to go around. It goes back to that theory of, you know, not every – player can go to Kansas and Michigan State and Kentucky and schools like that. Some are going to end up at Butler and, and schools like that. And if you see enough of them move around, we're already seeing it with, you know, you know, four players from Kansas are in the transfer portal right now. And they're all players who were highly regarded. They were top 200 recruits. They've been at Kansas a couple of years. And they just haven't gotten the opportunity to play. You know, they're probably going to end up in a mid-major somewhere. And some of them could be, you know, significant contributors to that team next year. And maybe one of those teams, like with Gol uh, Golden, you know, he was at Texas Tech for a year before he transferred to FAU. Now he's in the Final Four. Maybe one of those players treads that path as well.
0: That is uh, such a good point. So now we look at this and we say, okay, uh, these games, you know, Texas blowing a 13-point lead in the second half. I mean, they were in complete control of the game I see a lot of people wanting to blame the officiating. I don't think that's fair, Matthew. Texas made a lot of mistakes, and that showed itself over the final 10 to 12 minutes of this game.
1: No, they they got sloppy with the ball, yes. no question. For 30 minutes, they were in complete control of that game. Uh, their defense had rendered Miami's three-point game completely useless to the point where Miami just abandoned it and decided to start dribbling downhill and you know, take some very difficult contested shots in the paint, which, you know, they made many of them. I mean, people forget Miami shot nearly 60% this game, even with only going two for eight from the three-point line. But, you know, Texas started making mistakes with the basketball. They started turning it over. Their offense got stagnant. They got away from doing the things that had been successful for them for the first 30 minutes, and it cost them. I mean, yeah, I think that, you know, Omir went over the back of Brock Cunningham. Personally, I watched that play like 20 times i think he went over his back i think you know unfortunately brought cunningham like if you pull a chair out, out from under somebody they're going to fall to the ground the chair went up as opposed to the chair going out and he ended up going under omir um if anything maybe do the football thing and just say offsetting fouls and reset mm-hmm. in that case you're going to call a foul but I, I do believe that he went over the the, the back of cunningham but Texas lost control of that game long before
0: that foul. Absolutely. You're spot on. They did. So now Texas uh, will not go to the final four, uh, which would have been their first trip in 20 some odd years. I mean, you look at this and um, as we have this conversation right now, Rodney Terry's been off for the job. Uh, I don't see how you couldn't give the guy the job after winning the big 12 tournament and getting to an elite eight. So uh, that's a first for Texas in 15 years. What do you do with Rodney Terry, though, Matthew, from the standpoint of how long you go with him? I mean, this is Chris Beard's team still. He did an outstanding job. Do you say here's a three-year deal and kind of make him prove it from here on out?
1: I think that's going to be the interesting piece of this because I do think he deserves the job. But I I would imagine their athletic director, Chris Del Conte, also look at Terry's track record at Fresno State and at UTEP. You know, he was a 500 coach, basically. I think he took Fresno to an NCAA tournament one time. Um, you know, he certainly benefited from the talent around him, but, you know, Terry also helped recruit some of that talent and he helped coach that talent. And he certainly showed a great deal of coaching ability in getting them through this whole, you know, mess of the season, uh, especially in December with Chris Beard's arrest. Um, I'd probably look at a, I'd probably look at a four year deal and maybe, you know, it's a smaller buyout.
0: Then yes. you might
1: expect yes. uh, a, a, an athletic director to hand out for this reason only. If you do have to part with him in a couple of years, then you're, you're not hit with a huge buyout if you go after another coach because there's a couple of things at play here. Obviously, you want stability for the program because you've got a top 30 recruit coming in on Ron Holland, but you've also got to prepare for the SEC in a couple of years. And you know, There's probably some questions about whether Rodney Terry is the right guy to handle that transition. We'll mm-hmm. see, but he deserves the opportunity to have the chance to show that he can be that guy. But I, I, I would imagine it's a three- or four-year deal with a small buyout. I agree. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe a lot of guaranteed money, but a small
0: buyout. Well, and it should be because, let's be honest, you know, if Rodney Terry goes to the open market, you're telling me there are big-time programs banging down his door right now? I, I don't think so. I mean, I, you know, I haven't seen any signs that Texas Tech is really necessarily interested. And I'm not saying that's anything Rodney Terry's done wrong necessarily, but this has worked for him. He knows this team. He knows the program. He's going to get rewarded handsomely, as he should. But this is not, you know, pulling John Calipari away from Kentucky where you got to have some ridiculous buyout or Chris Beard from Texas Tech. That yeah. doesn't make any sense. Uh, so I agree. Small buyout, everybody wins, and then you kind of roll the dice and see what happens.
1: Exactly. It gives you a chance to get out of it after a couple of years if he's just not the right guy. But, mm-hmm. you know, With coaches, sometimes they go to two two or three different places and they're not super successful, and then they go somewhere and then they really hit it. And sometimes it's just the right program with the right players at the right time, and maybe that coach has the experience to do it. Maybe that's where Rodney Terry is in his development as a coach right now.
0: Yeah. Um, Now, meantime, the other Elite Eight team, Kansas State, uh, isn't this amazing, Matthew? Kansas State, between Marquise Noel balling out the way he was, Jerome Tang um, and his personality shining in multiple ways, whether it's, you know, going to the other team's locker room, uh, talking about being a leader of men, showing and wearing his faith on his sleeve. Kansas State became kind of like the darlings of this tournament. And I think for a lot of America, they wanted to see more Jerome Tang and more Marquise Noel. Unfortunately, they won't. And to me, that game on Saturday came down to couldn't rebound the ball. And a really disappointing stretch of basketball at about the, I want to say the 10, 12-minute mark. They were up six. They had a couple of prime opportunities to go up double digits, and they did not capitalize, and it was all downhill from there. What about you?
1: Yeah, they had a stretch similar to Texas where they went about, you know, five, six minutes where they didn't make a basket, where their offense just kind of got, you know, one-dimensional and stagnant, and Florida Atlantic was able to get into the game. Now, the difference is, you know, Kansas State, you know, they were able to kind of claw and scratch their way back into a position where they had a chance to to tie or win late. Uh, but the rebounding issue, that really just, that got them. I mean, I knew they were going to get out-rebounded. I didn't know they were going to get out-rebounded like that. I mean, between Golden and the rest of that team, they doubled Kansas State's rebounds for the game. Uh, both teams shot well. Uh, both teams defended well. I mean, FAU committed, I think, 20, 21 turnovers in that game. I mean, Kansas State turned them over quite a bit, far more than FAU wanted to be turned over. And that made up for the rebounding problem. But, you know, they they just could not keep Florida Atlantic off the glass. And there were a couple of key moments there late in the game where, you know, Kansas State forced a stop, you know, a missed shot, and they couldn't get the rebound. And it gave FAU another chance to draw a foul, get a couple of free throws, or get a basket. And, you know, those little things on the margins kind of cost them the game.
0: I agree, and I know you alluded to it earlier, but Golden, uh, and you said it, the guy was at Texas Tech. Uh, I guess he would have been one of Chris Beard's last recruits, right? I mean, how about that find by Chris Beard? And, you know, the transfer portal is what it is. Wasn't getting his playing time. He said, I'm going somewhere else. He goes to FAU. and. You know, two years in, he's helping lead this team to a Final Four at seven one two forty. They don't make him like that, Matthew. That's you wonder how Tech's program might be different today.
1: Yeah, it's interesting too because in the NCAA tournament, his numbers weren't that great. I think he was averaging in the first three games. I think it was five and six. You know, yeah. and then he goes off for a double double. And I think it was all the matchup. You know, Kansas State really just didn't have anybody that could. You know they obviously don't have anybody seven foot, so they didn't have anybody that can match up in that way. But Keontae Johnson's foul trouble didn't help them either. You know he was on the bench for long stretches in the first and second mm-hmm. half because he mm-hmm. got fouls quickly. And as good a rebounders as you know Naquan Tomlin and and David David Nissan and and those guys are, um, when you're competing with a seven one guy, he demands a lot of attention. And even if he doesn't get the rebound there's a chance somebody else is going to. And there was, a, I think, Davis, their guard, who is one of their best scorers. I think he ended up with eight rebounds in that game. So other players picked up the slack, Mm -hmm. even though Golden had a double-double.
0: Well, and the other thing, too, I mean, I think about how K-State handled Oscar Toshibwe. And, uh, you know, they kept him, I guess, in relative check. I mean, he had a really good game by his standards. He had a double-double. But, um, you know, I'm looking at that and also saying the difference to me is that Kentucky, you were never worried about them beating you from three-point range. FAU was a great three-point shooting team all year long. They shot 40% against K-State. And to me, that's the difference. I think Kentucky shot something like 20% from downtown. So it changes how you play defense when you're going up against Toshibwe and you know that the team that he's got surrounding him can't hit a three-pointer to save their lives.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You saw how Texas took away uh, the three against Miami, but Miami really only has one forward. They play with four guards, so you know they're going to shoot the three, and you know you can body up one-on-one with a guy like Ormier. It's different, like you said, when you've got a seven-foot-one guy inside, and you've got another forward on the floor, and then you've got three guards that can all shoot the three. It makes it very hard to to double team, to bracket, to play matchup zones, and things like that.
0: Yeah now uh, when you look at the Big 12 or before we get to the Big 12 last thing on Jerome Tang he's not going anywhere or anything like that he is such a great ambassador for Kansas State uh, you look at this season for the Wildcats pick to finish last in the Big 12 reaching the Elite eight this comes after a football season that season win the Big 12 title go to a sugar ball. Uh Gene Taylor was named the AD of the year uh, well deserved on Monday of this week so a lot's going right for Kansas State but how do we change the conversation now about Jerome Tang and Kansas State basketball going forward after this first season?
1: Well, I think the conversation changes to, you know, you know the way the conversation changed for Iowa State in year two. You know, can you sustain? Can you continue this growth of your program? You're going to lose Noel. You're going to lose Johnson. You're going to lose Desi Sills. You're going to lose three key components of what got you to the Elite Eight. Um, you know Tang's ability to tap the transfer portal was you know pretty good you know this first year but he also had a lot of spots to fill you know he's got I think 11 guys coming back now this year plus recruits coming in so he's got a couple of spots where he can go be you know choosy about the type of player that he might want in the transfer portal or he can sign another recruit uh, when the uh, when the signing window opens up in April so it's it's going to be an interesting job for him in year two because you know he could kind of you know cast a wide net and look for people last year because he had so many spots to fill. Now he's got to be very targeted about what this team needs. This team probably needs uh, a point guard yes. slash combo guard that can run the offense. This team probably needs a little bit more rebounding and maybe a, a scoring power forward. They need another Noel and another Johnson. Can you find those two players in the portal? Or is it about developing Tomlin and Gasson and these other guys who are kind of the same body type, you know, kind of like a Texas tech from a couple of years ago where you've got guys that are kind of the same body type and do the same thing and make them kind of a replaceable parts kind of team. It's going to be really interesting to watch.
0: It is. Um, and Jerome Tang, I mean, you got to imagine Matthew, there are guys who are looking at Kansas state who never, never would have even picked up the phone a year ago. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah,
1: absolutely. I and mean, when you think about, you know, where all this happened this past week in New York City, where four of these guys are from. Noel's from Harlem. Tomlin's from from Harlem as well. The the new partnership with the Big Twelve with Rucker Park. Um, the Big Twelve just opened up a little recruiting space there for Jerome Tang in the inner city of New York, where some of the best basketball talent in the world can be found on a prep basis and even a transfer basis. So I don't think he's gonna have any problem attracting talent the trick for him is going to be choosing the right players for his system and the right players for the chemistry of this team.
0: That's exactly right, buying into what he's uh, he's selling there. So speaking of that, um, you know, I talked about it on a show I did last week, and I wrote about it as well on the site, and that is just the end of last week. Uh, the Rucker Park News, as you noted, the Big 12 teaming up with Rucker mm-hmm. Park in New York City for uh, they're going to do exhibition games and uh, camps and things like that with Big 12 coaches. That night, Thursday night, Marquise Noel has, of course, one of the all-time great performances um, in Sweet 16 history, sets an NCAA record with assists. What about that um, from your perspective, what this means for the Big 12, Brett Yormark's vision, and how you see this all playing out?
1: Well, you know, he's he's talked all along about making this a national conference, making it quote-unquote younger and hipper. I think this is actually the first tangible thing you could say might actually make the conference younger and hipper. Um, partnering with somebody like Rucker Park, as opposed to maybe taking this to Madison Square Garden or even Barclays Center, where he has obvious connections from his time with the Nets, it makes it to me an unignorable thing in the summer because of the the status that Rucker Park has in New York City and really around the country of the you know, origins of street ball. You know, if if you want to go play in one outdoor city park to play basketball in your lifetime this is the place to go. I, I think I was telling the guys in Iowa last week, you know, this is like major league baseball going to Dyersville and playing a game at the field, to dreams field for the last couple of years. It's the same kind of thing. You know, there's a, there's a ton of credibility in partnering with Rucker park and the city of New York in this way that you'd still get from Madison square garden and or indoor Barclays, but you wouldn't get the buzz that you're going to get from Rucker park in the summer, assuming that the NCAA approves the exhibition games, um, the Big 12 is going to get a ton of media out of this. And when you think about the fact that, you know, I believe that Brett Yormark has his eye on some schools that are in the Big East, potentially adding them as basketball-only members down the line, it only makes sense to try and start to build a foothold in New York City.
0: Yeah, and that's exactly what he's doing, and I think that you're right. This is kind of part of a, a larger plan, and whether or not that plan comes to fruition remains to be seen, but it's certainly part of a larger yep. plan. So now we're sitting here off season. We'll talk plenty throughout the offseason, Matthew, but as you're looking at this league, we know a lot's going to change next year with the four new teams coming in. OU and Texas here for one more year. Right now, what are you thinking about when it comes to – the immediate storylines for the big 12 this off season that we should be watching in the very short term here, whether it's, you know, I keep thinking about what is tech going to do at head coach Uh, that one comes to mind, but what about you? What else are you looking at here?
1: Yeah. Number one, you know, Texas tech's got to find their head coach. And and right now the fact that they have not hired one um, leads me to believe that they have their eye on one that is still coaching. Obviously, Grant McHasland is the name that has been most connected to the job. We've you know, had a couple of reports on our site that he's the guy they're most targeted on. Don't be surprised if Dusty May at Florida Atlantic enters the conversation after their run is over just because of what he's done this year. I think he's the only other coach on the board that, you know, unless you're going to pull up a patino, which they're obviously not going to do, he's the only other coach on the board that I, I think Tech might be interested in just because of what he's done this year. So, But, but I, I fully expect, you know, after North Texas's NIT run is over, McCaslin will get an interview and probably get hired. I think he'll end up being the guy there. But I wouldn't be surprised if Dusty May draws their attention just a little bit, you know, at the end of this process. As for what's next, the transfer portal. I mean, it's going to be really interesting to see what all of these teams do. You know, West Virginia has been very active. They haven't signed anybody yet but they've been very active in, you know, talking to, you know, top-level Power Five, you know, players that have hit the transfer portal. Kansas already has four of its own players in the portal. Granted, none of them are starters, but, you know, some of them are depth guys that I think Kansas was hoping to develop into starters next year. Uh, Iowa State just got Robert Jones back for an additional year. He's using his COVID waiver. That helps them from a depth standpoint in the front court. And then I think for all these coaches, it's about you know holding on to your your big guys. You don't want to have a Tyrese Hunter like last year when uh, Hunter opted to transfer to Texas, and obviously that turned out to be the right decision for him. But it certainly hurt Iowa State from a standpoint of he was the guy that they were intending to build around for the next season. So if you're you're all of these Big Twelve teams, you're you're trying to make sure that you hang on to your guys uh, and trying to make sure that you can you know, bring in talent uh, that'll help you down the line. I mean, Oklahoma's in in a similar situation. They were the only under 500 team in the conference. They've already lost four players to the portal. Tanner Gross is out the door. Grant Shurfield is out the door. There's a lot of change going on in Oklahoma as well.
0: I totally uh, agree with those assessments, and we'll be watching all of them very closely here in the weeks uh, ahead. He's Matthew Postens. Can't believe it. We're putting a bow on the season when it comes to hoops. I mean, it really never ends because of what Matthew talked about, coaching changes, transfer portal. Yeah. But the on-court for now season is over, Matthew, and it's been a heck of a run. Another great season, my man. Uh, give, me a, give me a final word. Um, change, for lack
1: of a better word, is good. There will be a lot of change this spring and summer, especially when the new schools come on in July first. You know, you gotta remember Houston obviously made the uh the sweet sixteen, but Cincinnati and UCF both made solid NIT runs. So, you know, I'm not saying those teams are gonna be like, you know, gangbusters in the Big Twelve. They've got some catching up to do, but they stand to be competitive their first years.
0: Well said, and now uh the off season begins. I'm Pete Mundo. Thanks for being here on the show. Hey Appreciate you being here each and every week, each and every show that we do, multiple throughout the week on Heartland College Sports' podcast. Leave us a rating and a review. Take 30 seconds out. Hit the five-star, leave a rating, review, and we'd love to make sure that you are getting a Heartland College Sports koozie. That's the only way to get one. Send me a screenshot of that rating and review on iTunes to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. And also make sure you're checking out our uh, YouTube channel that is growing every single day. Just search Heartland College Sports and subscribe there. Have a great day. We'll talk to you soon.